Hey everybody. This is House of Hope podcast series, presented by Gotham and House of Hope. Today's topic is the ultimate glory. Our speaker today is Dr. Solafamakin. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shall we rise up and just uh, help me give praise and glory to my father? I want you to just, from the bottom of your heart, I want sweet aroma of praise to rise to him. Please go ahead and just give him quality worship in a moment. Give him quality worship in a moment. Bible says, great is the Lord and is greatly to be praised. Worship him. We worship you, ancient of days. From everlasting to everlasting, you are. You are outstanding in glory. You are outstanding in building. You are outstanding in power. You are outstanding in majesty. We exalt you. House of Hope is worshiping you, Lord, giving to you glory that is due to your name this morning. Your name is glorified. single heart this morning let there be a word in the name of Jesus as we wait, wait expectantly father we ask oh God that we satisfy our expectation in the name of Jesus Holy Spirit we enthrone you over this atmosphere over this congregation let every soul be subject in the name of Jesus. Thank you, King of Glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give the Lord praise. 
have your seat. God bless you. The month of uh, October has been declared as what? Our month of greater glory. Hallelujah. The month of greater glory. And um, may I just ask us, how many of us will really want to walk into greater glory? May I see your hands way up high above your heads. There is no single person who doesn't want it. Wow. Okay, my next question is this. Are you sure you understand exactly what you are asking for? You do. Okay. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. As we continue, the Lord will show us exactly what we are asking for. Then you can make up your mind whether you want to step into that realm of greater glory. And the Lord will bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord one powerful hallelujah. Amen. Open your Bible with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 40 and 41. Um, I would have loved to read very much from the Iberian study Bible. But it's okay. If you have your King James there, it's still going to say about the same thing. Right. So as I read, I want you to follow. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 40 to 41. Say, there are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is of one degree. And the splendor of the earthly bodies is of another. Verse 41. The sun has one degree of splendor. The moon another and the stars another, and star differ from star in splendor. Hallelujah. Looking at that scripture very quickly, give us a peek into two categories of glory. We can quickly summarize it and say that there are two categories of glory. There is the celestial glory and there is the terrestrial glory. And Inspired by God, Paul, who was writing to the Corinthian Christians of that time, he was likening, he first of all demarcated two categories of glory. He talks about the heaven, glory of the heavenly body and the glory of the earthly bodies. And then he went ahead to show us three specific heavenly bodies, the sun, the moon, and the stars. And made a demarcation between them in terms of uh, their glory in shining. Hallelujah. So, two classes of glory. Number one, the terrestrial glory. In the terrestrial realm, man rules, and uh, even though his authority is delegated, he rules with that delegated authority. And with that delegated authority, he uses his authority to create, you know, situations and circumstances that makes him more comfortable, that makes his life easier. Praise the Lord. He does business, you know, create technology and do all kinds of stuff that makes his life easier and more tolerable and more enjoyable. 
This effect which he has created accords him a certain measure of glory. And sometimes he uses that glory to oppress because with glory comes power and authority. Authority is the ability to demand submission and to get it. Power is that which changes the course of an event. So power is a subset of authority. If you have authority, automatically you have power. If I could say, tell somebody right here, I say, stand up, go out, and you stood up and go out, that means I have authority, and I have power over you because I was able to change your location. I spoke, you obeyed, and I changed your location. So power is a subset of authority. Praise the Lord. So he uses his power to do all kinds of things, which sometimes can be, you know, selfish. However, let's look at the celestial glory. In the celestial, celestial realm, God rules supreme. And it is his holiness that personifies his glory. All the heavenly beings bow at his feet. Everything worship him. Overall, over the two realms, God is all sovereign. God is all sovereign. Whether the realm of the terrestrial or the realm of the celestial, God rules supreme. Is all sovereign. And that is a word that scares me. Sovereignty. <laughs> you know the meaning of sovereignty? Somebody who could do whatever he wishes and nobody calls him to order. I don't know of any such person on the surface of the earth. You know, situations and circumstances sometimes will accord you partially that kind of privilege. Uh, for example, look at the presidents of the United States and so many other presidents of nations around the world. Why they are in power, you can't try them. They can do whatever they like, nobody calls them to order. Hallelujah. But as soon as they are out of power, what happens? The situation changes. Hey, there is one that is going on right now. Big drama. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is sovereign over the two realms. And in his sovereignty, he's not trying to bamboozle us and, you know, oppress us. One thing that he wants to do, he wants the earth to be filled with the knowledge of his glory, like the waters cover the sea. That is his principal purpose. So when he exerts his sovereignty, that is the only thing he wants to achieve. And so how does he achieve that? He looks for mere mortals on whom he can confer his glory. Because like I said earlier, with glory comes authority and power. Praise the Lord. So he wants the world to know him and fear him, and worship him. But he cannot reveal himself because no flesh will see God and live. That was what he told Moses. There was a very wonderful conversation that took place between Moses and God in the book of Exodus chapter 33. If you read from verse 1 to the end, you will understand. But verse 19 to 20 captures that conversation, part of it. 
Moses jumped and said, we've been working together all this while. You made me, you know, head over these people to lead them from Egypt to this place. And I have not seen you. I want to see you. If I have found favor on your side, show me your glory. God said, it is not possible. You can't see my glory and live. No mere mortal will see me and survive. Praise the Lord. Verse 19, Exodus chapter 33 said, Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. That was after Moses has pestered God, asked all kind of questions, done all kind of negotiation. God said, okay, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face. For no man shall see me and live. So God wants to rob on us a measure of his glory. So that we can go out there and reveal his glory. And when men see the glory of God, they cannot but bow and worship our father. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, how do we step into this glory that makes all men, situations and circumstances to bow at the knee of the God of heaven? Number one, you will hear a lot of familiar things today, but I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to make things new to you in Jesus' name. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. First Thessalonians 5.18, the Bible says, In everything, do what? Give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So there is a responsibility imposed on each and every one of us as children of God. The Bible says, In all things, do what? Give thanks. He said, If you are a child of God, if you are in the will of God, what is your responsibility? In all things, give thanks. Because it is the will of God for you if you are in Christ. If you are outside him, no problem. But if you are in Christ Jesus, you must do what? In all things, give thanks. Hallelujah. David literally praised his way into kingship and rulership. And it was not easy for him while he was doing that. In Psalm 34, verse 1, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah. That will be your portion in the name of Jesus. Now, some of these powerful Psalms that we read and we cherish and we enjoy and we confess, they were not written by him. They were not composed by him. They were not conceived by him in times when things were good. Some of those times, he was jumping from cave to cave, from mountain to valley. Some of, some of those most powerful sounds that you read, they were conceived while he was in tears. And the sound of Saul and his henchmen was just drawing near. He was inside some cold, quiet, and very messy, you know, uh, 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 situation. And uh, he had no idea whether that was going to be his last moment. But he kept on praising God. He kept on worshiping God. And uh, the glory of God became his defense. It became impossible for Saul. Every time he comes so close to him, God will do something. 
and rescue him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, what are we saying here? Quality and sustained life of worship, gratitude and praise draws God near. And there is no greater glory than that. Securing and maintaining the presence of God guarantees his glory. And I want to repeat again to you, there is no greater glory than securing the presence of God. Praise the Lord. Why? Because his glory bestows power. His glory guarantees victory. His glory gives dominion. So if somebody is against you, just like our mommy was saying the other time, the question she was asking during Sunday school, eh? so do not just worry. Eh? Instead of worrying, you worship. Instead of panicking, whether somebody can kill you or not, you praise him and pray. And when you do that, God will arise. The Bible says, let God arise. What will happen to his enemies? Hallelujah. With open face, beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Some scripture says we are changed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory, from degree to degree, and so on, and so on. Praise the Lord. This scripture uses glass. Some scripture uses mirror, and that is the way it is. You always become what you look at in the mirror. Is that not so? Some of our mummies with your beautiful gillies and your hair ties and everything this morning, God bless you in Jesus' name. I'm sure you spend quite some time in front of a mirror. As you are looking at it, if the thing was going out too much, you bring it down, you pull it, you adjust, put powder here, put something here, and then you come out looking fine. It is what you saw in the mirror that made you what you are sitting here, you know, gorgeously this morning. The Lord continue to make you gorgeous in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. So as you look, you become like the one to whom you are looking. Now, God is looking for those who will not be satisfied with any of the common pursuits of the mere mortals we see around. I want to build a house and to have a six-figure job. I want there is nothing wrong with that. I need some of those good things also. And I'm sure you can make use of some. Praise the Lord. But God is looking for men whose, you know, outlook, whose expectation will be much higher than that. Men to whom their achievements in life and ministry will mean little or nothing to them. Men whose ego has been completely decapitated. And had the, that ego has, as it were, bled to death. God is looking for men who has conquered rights and tastes and appetites. God is looking for men like Paul who could say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if you ask me, where do we find this kind of man? It's going to be difficult. In short, let me put it to you straight. God is looking for dead men. Hallelujah. He's looking for what? Where are the dead men here this morning? 
Ah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> you see, unfortunately, God hardly has a single one. He hardly has a single dead man, even though he's looking for dead men every day. What does a dead man look like? Those of us who are in the medical field, I'm sure you can tell us what a dead man, a dead body looks like. Mm -hmm. If you step back very well and give it a very powerful kick, he will jump up and say, why did you kick me? Is that what he will do? Okay. <laughs> if you got his scalpel and start slicing his thigh, eh? and cutting and bringing out the veins. Will he answer you? Okay. What of if you abuse him? Say, see your head. See his head. What will he do? He will jump and say, and see your head too, right? Is that what he will do? Okay. So, dead men, eh? dead men has no feeling. They have conquered tastes. They have conquered appetites. They have conquered rights. This is what dead men look like. And God is looking for dead men every day. Unfortunately, he has none. And he needed to use dead men. So what did he do? God has to become ingenious. So he created a situation, a place where he could rear dead men. And then he will carry out his agenda here on earth. Hallelujah. Amen. So what did God do? He created the secret place. You know, I told you, you are going to hear a lot of new, uh, a lot of old things you already knew. Okay? So God created, very ingenious, he created the secret place. So when you go to the secret place, what does God do there? Hmm? You know, when you are going, you are a living man. Hmm? When you get to the secret place, the first thing he does is he must have his way with you and in you, or else, no deal. It is either he has his way in you and with you right there, or there is no deal. You can pack your bag and go. He will look for another. Praise the Lord. So in the secret place, what is the first thing God wants to do? He wants to have his way with you and uh, in you. So when you say, Lord, go ahead, then he can do whatever he wants to do and achieve his aim. Number two, I want you to listen very carefully because <laughs> the Lord will help us in Jesus' name. There, where? In the secret place. There, he will pound you. He will scrape you. He will squeeze you. He will file you. And then he will wring you. And while he's doing this, he has a purpose. What is his purpose? He's looking for a dead man. So he will do all this. He will pound you. He will scrape you, he will squeeze you, he will fire you, and he will wring you until all of you is gone, leaving behind 
all of him. That was how Moses was made. You see, when the Bible talks about Moses, I say he was the meekest man that ever lived. What do you know? What is the meaning of meekness? What is the meaning? Some of us who are grammarians, can you help us? <laughs> what is the meaning of meekness? Having a suiting disposition. You know, if a situation is becoming too hot, ability to bring it down, calm it down. If you are trying to claim your right, you, can, you, are, you don't fit in that place. That cannot be your rule, praise the Lord. So there, he will pound you, he will scrape you, he will squeeze you, he will fire you. He will. What does it mean to wring something? How do we wash our clothes in those days before technology spoiled us? Praise the Lord. You put your clothes in water, right? You put soap. And then you squeeze it, squeeze it, squeeze, squeeze it. When you are sure that it's clean enough, what do you do? You bring it out, you wring it. You wring all the, water, the soapy water out. You put it in water again. You wash it, you wash it, you bring you wring it again. You wring it sometimes. I remember when I was very young, me and my, uh, uh, my siblings would go to the river to wash clothes. Sorry, I am a village person, so don't mind me. Praise the Lord. So if it's a very big cloth, like bed sheet or something, somebody will hold it at that end, then we'll be turning in different direction. And then the water will be dripping off. God will do that to you in the sacred place until all of you is out, remaining only all of him. Praise the Lord. And when he's done, he's not done without, when he's done, you know, what is the next thing we normally do to the cloth? We hold it and blow it, blow it, blow it, right? <laughs> he will do that to you also in the secret place. And then when he's done, he will spread you on a line in the sun and wait for you to dry up. And then when you have dried up, what is the next thing? He will bring out his iron and iron you. <laughs> By that time, what is led? You are a dead man. <laughs> Hallelujah. Did God achieve his aim? Yes, he did. So with that kind of character, he can place his glory on you so that when you step out there, you become his voice. You can bear his glory. So that is why I asked a question before we started that. Are you sure you know what you are asking for? Are you sure you really, really want to step into greater glory? How many of you, do you know what it means to pound something? People from my tribe, you know how we pound, pound the jam now? I remember many, many years ago, I was trying to help my mother to push the thing back. And the, what is it called? The, the thing landed on my hand. You know that kind of pain, if you've been there, praise the Lord. So how many of you will still want to step into greater glory? You see, there are no hands any longer. <laughs> praise the Lord. May the Lord help our understanding in Jesus' name. That was how Moses was made. Exodus chapter 34, verse 29 to 30. Exodus chapter, 20, chapter 34, verse 28 to 30. It says, Now 
it was so. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with them. Verse 30 says, So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Hallelujah. So when you step out of the secret place, it is not a one-day affair. It is a continuous affair. You go today, he pound you, pound you, pound you. Sometimes you run away and then you run back. Then tomorrow he scrapes you, scrapes you. He said, this one is too much. You run out and you run back again. It's, it could take months, take years. In fact, you are going to be in that process until you see him in glory. You have to return again for more pounding. You have to return again for more scraping, more ringing, more squeezing. Because as we go out there, you know, small, small dust of ungodliness settles on us. So you have to go back there where he can pound you, where he can squeeze you and wring you and wring all those things out of you. Then he pour more glory on you and push you, push you out there. Praise the Lord. So when Moses stepped out, they said, yeah. said, don't talk to us again. Send your brother. We'll be satisfied. Send Aaron to us. We don't want to see you. Because God has placed his glory on him. Only a man like Moses could stand what he stood with the children of Israel. Kadesh Barnea was a watershed. That place always interests me. I'm reading that area again and again, the book of Numbers. Drama upon drama. Korah, Detan, and Abiram, they said, are you the only one who have anointing? Even we too, we have anointing. We can also talk the way you talk. Who do you think you are? And God said, eh, okay, let us prove it. The Bible said the glory of the Lord appeared. And God said, step aside, Moses, let me deal with this once. You remember the rest of the story, what God did there. It's only, you don't know what Moses was doing. He was still begging God, said, please. If you do it now, they will say that it's because you are not able to get these people to the promise and that's why you kill all of them. Don't! A man who could plead with God and get what he wanted, what he asked for. A man who has been there, who has gone through it, that's the man who can stand and plead with God on behalf of men. Praise the Lord. Number three thing, very quickly. Seek divine wisdom. Seek divine wisdom. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 1. Say, who is as the wise man? And who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom make his face to shine. And the boldness of his face shall be changed. Wisdom makes the face of a man to, to shine. The Bible says there is a wisdom that is profitable to direct. And I want to say to you that the path of divine wisdom is the path to greater glory. Let us look at it again. You see, experience and education will only bring all of us so far. But there is a wisdom that sets you apart. There is a wisdom that apportion a great weight of glory upon you. When you look at King Solomon, 
the wisest man to ever live and uh, the richest man also to ever live. <laughs> it was just between 12, uh, sorry, 15 and 22 years old. Bible historian said so. When the mantle of leadership over a unique nation like Israel fell upon him, and when he looked around, he knew he was in trouble. He knew that Israel, the amalgamated you know, kingdoms of Judah and Israel was going to be a mouthful for him. What did he do? The Bible said he started worship. You know, we see it as giving. It is, but it is more. Because in those days, how do you conduct quality worship to God? It is through sacrifice. It is through sacrifice. So what did he do? He went to get a thousand, you know, uh, oxen. I am not talking of cow. Oxen is different from cow. Hmm? Oxen is bigger than cow. And I was wondering, 1,000, they will slaughter it, they will skin it, they will burn it. And how long did it take to burn it? And I'm sure he stood by because it was his worship. How long did it take? How long do you think it would take to burn down a complete oxen? Then multiply by 1,000. He stood there. And he did that. And then he went to sleep. And then Baba showed up in the night. He said, we have to discuss right now. He said, this thing that you have done, nobody does it for nothing. Tell me, what do you want? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Now, start telling me, what exactly do you want? He said, you see, these people, I don't know how to go around the matter. I'm asking for wisdom and knowledge. He said, Wisdom. And is that what you are talking about? They are yours. He said, I'm going to give you something more. He said, listen. He said, among men that have ever lived, none will be wiser than you, none will be richer than you. Hallelujah. What is the first thing he did? First of all, secured God's presence. Through worship. And then, when God's presence came, the glory of God followed, right? He then went ahead and asked for what he wanted, asked for wisdom, and got much more. This is how God responded to him in verse 12 of First Kings chapter 1, verse 1 to 12. He said, Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, it's a giving. He said, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, and shall any after you have the like. Now, the consequence of that sworn blessing was that King Solomon's net worth, as at year 2021, when an estimate was carried out, King Solomon was worth $2.1 trillion. For comparison and proper context, Elon Musk was the richest man on the surface of the earth at that time. Ask me how much he was worth. $273.5 billion. That is approximately, how many times? Almost 20 times richer. He got that swarm blessing by securing his presence. That the glory came. 
Now, let me ask you a question. This is where I'm going. Imagine the kingdom, a kingdom influence, the kind of kingdom influence that a man in our days with that amount of stupendous wealth, you know, can create. Nations will be worshiping him. He says, nobody in this country is going to work this uh, week. All of you, you will come and worship my God. They say, yes, sir. Because if you disobey, you only need to pull a few plugs in a week. Your economy is on the ground. The fear of God will fall on nations. Praise the Lord. So how did he acquire? First of all, secure God's presence. And then his glory followed. And then he asked for wisdom. And God said, "Mm -mm, this one you have done. You can get beyond wisdom. God, much more. Praise the Lord. So let's go back to this question as I begin to round up. So again, why the greater glory? Can we conduct our lives? You know, we are worshiping God, right? Are we not? We are serving God. We teach Sunday school. We do Bible study. We do everything, right? We fast. We pray. Can we continue like that? Hmm? Romans chapter 8, verse 18 to 20. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Hallelujah. So the first thing we see is that there's a glory still waiting to be revealed in you. And you will get there in the name of Jesus. Verse 19 says, For the endless expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. And that is exactly where I'm going. God is looking for men who will reveal him in his glory, his power, his majesty. Many years ago, I remember I was on campus as an undergraduate student who just give my life to Christ and they were in a big fellowship, sound, solid fellowship. I remember I was inside a campus shuttle uh, going from Unilag, Akokayaba, Lagos, if you know. Some of us who are from Nigeria uh, going to town, to Yaba. And a brother stood up to preach in the bus. And um, as he was preaching, at first, there was this young man sitting towards the front. He started grumbling. When I looked, I saw that he was a Muslim. Right, no problem. So he complained, continued to grumble. At some point, he got up and was telling him to stop. The brother turned around and said, if you don't sit down right now, I will ask an ninja to kill you at this time. What did he do? He sat down and became quiet. Didn't mention, you know, utter a word till the end of the journey. You see, the direction that our world is going, we need to get to that point. Where we can step out and somebody say, what is happening? They say, if you are not careful, we will shut down this office and it will be so. A brother went to serve somewhere in the northern part of Nigeria <laughs> during the youth service. And um, he was working in the, in, the, in the secondary school. And he, he already made his itinerary. He was evangelism secretary for NCCF. Some of us who know NCCF from Nigeria. It's an umbrella body for Christian coppers in Nigeria. So it was the evangelism. He had to travel through all 
all the regions and everywhere to organize program and visit. So he told her, this is my itinerary. Can you use me? They said, no problem. Okay, no problem. Then there was a time he wanted to go. He went for permission. And the principal said, you cannot go. You travel too much. He said, but I told you my itinerary before. And then he was going to degenerate into a bra. So the brother stepped back. And he's the kind of person who gets angry. I fear Christians who get, who gets angry very fast. He, stepped, he said, I'm going to go. Said, and as I live here today, three things will happen. And he mentioned the last, I can't remember the last one. The last one, the, the first two, the last one he mentioned was that he said, when I live here, he said, this whole school, they will gang up together and beat you up. And he went. Before he came back, all the three things he mentioned happened. I'm talking to somebody who carried the glory of God. Projector of power, real power. I've seen them again and again and again. That's what God wants you and me to be. Enough of unbelievers pushing us around. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. A few, you know, a few years ago, one young girl, you know, did, a, did something with a big professor, and the big professor felt that uh, he could uh, use his power to shit her of, uh, you know, what should be his right. And then the thing dragged on for years, and at some point, she got angry and told me, said, I'm angry with this man. I said, when you are angry, what do you do? He said, go and report him to your father. So he went and reported the case in the court of heaven. And then, <laughs> the first thing that happened was his right was miraculously given to him. We thought it was over. And then, the serious ones that, as I'm talking to you right now, the man is fired. After serious embarrassment, nobody should be able to push us around. Praise the Lord. So what do you do? First of all, you must die. So after dying, God can place glory on you. Then you can go there and project his power. The world is waiting for people who will demonstrate who our God really is. They don't know him yet. They will know him through the projection of his power. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. In conclusion, what we are saying today is everything borders on projecting him. And one of the ways to project him is to project him through power. Because when he places a glory on you, with glory comes authority. With authority comes power. You can change the course of events. Hallelujah. So securing his presence confers his glory. And this is the ultimate glory. Whatever it will cost you, I want to encourage you, secure it. That was what made the apostles, that was what made them such an indomitable force during their generation. And they shut down kingdoms. They bring kingdoms on their knees. Kings are afraid of them. That's what made them. Let's also do the same. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. I want us to rise up to pray. Just one prayer. Just one prayer. One prayer. Uh, before we pray this prayer, I want to also ask you. It's a very simple one-line prayer. But I want you to be sure that you want to pray the prayer. Okay? I want you to be sure that you really, really want to pray the prayer. Because... Uh, this is the prayer. I say, Father, whatever is contending with your glory in my life, 
let it die today in the name of Jesus. It's no more than that. But the issue is this. What if you are the one standing in the way of his glory? Eh? You know what you are asking for? So I want you to be sure you want to pray this prayer. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. Can you lift your voice unto God and cry unto God, Lord, whatever is contending with your glory in my life, in the name of Jesus, let it die today. Lift your voice and pray to the Lord by the power in the name of Jesus. We ask King of glory. Whatever is contending with your glory in our lives, whatever is resisting your glory in our lives, in the name of Jesus, Lord, let them die today in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, King of glory. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Father, we thank you for answers to prayer. Thank you because from today we will not be the same again. You withdraw us into the secret place. Lord, you will do what you will with us. And then you place your glory on our lives. And then we go out and project you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for answered prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. If you're in the Washington, D.C. region, visit in person at our address. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us in our social media. God bless you.